When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Good to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew along for the ride as well. Find me on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. Man, is there a lot to catch up on. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we have the requisite time here, Tom. Another reminder, uh, we'll do our best. The reminder that uh, if you are watching on War Chant TV, we always appreciate that. Thank you for doing so. Like and subscribe so that others may find it. And yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what I'm happy about? Right off the bat, let's just start with this. I'm happy that I don't have to ring this stupid bell. Nope. It's staved off for just a time, just a short period of time here. I don't have to uh, ring the bell because uh, Knowles did get a win over the weekend in basketball in a game that I attended and enjoyed. Yeah, is that entirely accurate, though? I think you do need to hit the bell because on Friday night we did get a commitment from a transfer. Yeah, we did, and it was real big news. And I, I kind of thought about going back to that night and then leading us through the weekend through last night's crazy end to the Chargers Raiders, and we'll just kind of tackle the timeline that way. Yeah, I feel like you could do a verse like uh, "We didn't start the fire" oh. to catch us through. <laughs> that start I, it first, basketball. No, don't want to do that. Don't, don't want to do that. I will. I'll. I'll start. Okay, for you. There you go. That's it. That's it. John Carson walks him quick, off. It's a quick. It's a quick. Quick one. All right. So Jared Verse did commit. Remember last week while we were doing the show. Uh, a lot of you in the chat were immediately asking, you know, hey, did so and so commit? Did Jared Verse commit? Did he commit? Commit? And we couldn't. There was no end to the questions. Well, the answer is yes, yes, he has now, and there we go. All right. So it's less about okay. So the player, the, the it's exciting to get the player. You guys are aware of the resume. You guys are aware that this was somebody Florida State coveted greatly and needed because when we talk about what's lost from last year and the effort to take a stride forward next year and to grow into where you know we're not having losing effing seasons then you need to replenish uh what you lost on that defensive line in particular at defensive end so jared first was very very critical to get a yes from and you know i i don't know that everybody felt like that was certainly a sure thing right this was a highly competitive effort from several big time programs to get a player who was speaking of productive highly productive obviously and so now you look at that guy and you say all right all right physically it's all there but here's what i liked here's what i liked i liked what i heard from the young man i've already liked the tape I like what I heard from this dude. This guy sounds like a damn football player. We may have two for two off the edge with commits from guys who get it between the ears, who get what it means, right? Yeah, you could even say three for three if you're well, Keir Thomas, right? Luke Keir Thomas yeah, in the discussion. You're right. you're right. The thing I like about it, though, is that number, three. 
three years of eligibility. Correct. This is not a rental player. This is somebody who, I mean, listen, if you he shows out in two, two years, you two, right, yeah. but you know, that that's the key here is this is not just a transfer portal that's only used for grads, uh, grad transfers mm-hmm. for one fall. No, no, no. There's yeah, yeah. time for development. Mix and match. Mix and this and match. is a player who can mix and match on the defensive line as well, not just Fuller. But I think Verse can be moved around as well based upon down and distance. So, oh, yeah, that's a huge, huge get. Maybe the biggest one of all the transfer portal signees so far, but that's debatable. Him and the linebacker. Yeah, okay, so here, let me let me do this really quickly. I want to read to you a quote. Of course, you can read this if you, if you tuned in over the weekend, if you read the stories on Warchant.com. But this is smart, okay? This is seldom seen. I'm, I'm going to be old man Jeff here for a second. Uh, because this is the this is the speech that I have. I actually had this conversation with my son this weekend, and I get incensed about this. Some battles you got to let lie and understand you've lost that. Try to win the war. Others I continue to fight on a regular basis. And that is when there is something important in your life that you have to make a decision on. When you have to figure something out that matters such as, in this case, where I'm going to play football, where I'm going to go to school, in the case of Jared Verse, right? That's a big damn decision. Could help dictate terms for the remainder of your life, good or bad, right? So you have to really contemplate. You really need to vet a decision like that. The pros, the cons, the hows, the whys. Everything from the certainties to the unknowns, you've got to think through. So here you go. When asked about making the decision, how he arrived at it, what he was going, you know, how did he decide it was going to be FSU? He said, I was sitting around and I turned off my phone for the last two to three days because I really wanted to break everything down and go over it in my thoughts. I went on a long drive. Then I went hiking, just everything to get my mind away from distraction. Okay. All right. We have a fairly bright young man that has just made a meaningful decision by not being a dumbass millennial. How about that? Yeah, we just got a 42-year-old. That's that, what we got. They, how about we got a guy who understands that it's not in your phone? It ain't there, baby. <laughs> it's between your ears. We'll see if that helps with his hand speed in order to get off I, I the mean, box. But goodness yes, gracious. Yeah. Thank you. That's incredibly mature. It's what I would consider to be a normal train of thought when making very big life decisions, but alas, (laughs) right? So you start with that. Then he says, I came to my decision. It's definitely Florida State, but I wanted to sleep on it. I wanted some more time. I was sure it was Florida State, but I wanted some more time to think about it. So I slept on it, and I woke up in the morning, and I was even more fired up about Florida State than when I went to bed. Oh, my God. We're now two for two with smart things said. Maybe there was a direct deposit overnight from an NIL fund. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I don't sure. Know. There, well, listen, there would have been direct deposits oh, in other places too. 421 in the morning. Fantastic. I, I'm just telling you, damn it, man. How about that? So, yes, to your point, he comes in as a sophomore with three years of abil- uh, eligibility, and that's great. Um, talked about he's focused on team goals. Next quote. I'd like to help the team reach another level, whether that means me doing whatever I can in order to help and the strengths that I bring, whatever it takes to to go to the next level for me. While many recruits and transfers are focused on NLI deals, uh, and he says he's not as worried about that. I'm hoping to learn a lot of lessons from the coaches, not just being a football player or an athlete. 
with the NIL, with the NIL deals. I'm not as big on that. I want to learn more about being a man, to be quite honest. There's a difference in being a man and really growing up and being a man, and I think these coaches can help me get there. Okay, man. This is my new favorite player on the team. This guy well, here. This, this guy. Well, here see, we go. we got to no, make sure he can play. No, well, yeah. Yes, we have to make sure he can play. That's the given with every single kid we've ever recruited. That's, of course. But usually you're the pump the brakes guy. No, what you're, I'm you're saying. You're sold on his worldview. Well, I'm sold on his maturity. I'm sold the same way I was sold on Jermaine Johnson when I spoke to him before we saw him play it down at Florida State. The same exact way. He talks exactly like, now listen, do I expect him to be Jermaine Johnson? No. That would be a tough act to follow. If he is, holy Jesus. All right, we will celebrate that, play that clip over and over again. It's highly doubtful we're going to get somebody that productive, at least not right away, because he's a sophomore. So he's got to physically get stronger, even though he's hell in the weight room and he loves it and he attacks it and he celebrates all the things that make you a football player. The process of getting better is something this guy absolutely embraces. Now, we see the quicks and we see the strength. That's good. That's all on film. You're right. This is another level way up here from where he's from. I got that. I'm going to trust that the process that he has embraced and his commitment that is revealed is going to lead him to be very, very productive. I think it's a safe bet. It's an educated guess. You're right. But I think it's a safe guess, safe bet, that he'll show up and play well. But it's players like him and Jermaine Johnson yes. and Keir Thomas that are the bright side of the portal because they show you that you can bring in ready-made, mature people that are good at football. Maybe, you know, we want the order to be reversed, but it's important that that whole picture is there, and that would be the argument against roster building solely through high school. But you can't you can't live in the portal. That's the hard thing is the people are in portals for a reason. Right, you know, sometimes they're cast-offs. Well, sometimes, sometimes they're cast-offs. They're, sometimes they're malcontents. They're, sometimes, yeah, sometimes they don't have the grades. There's, there's a lot of things. Right, it's not always that. Oh, I'm a I'm a kid with a chip on my shoulder from a lower institution. And I want to go play Power Five football. That's nice for now. That's nice for now. I would love it if that's the type of citizen you could bring in 25 strong every year. It's not going, but to that's be. just not the reality. No. The good news is, in the interim, it does seem like between Tatum Bethune, this particular player. Uh, Winston Wright committed yesterday as well. We'll get to that. Yeah, but it seems like you've got guys who have chips on their shoulder who get it and have been through the the show me stuff of high school, and they're wanting to come here because well, he, they're he, looking to prove it to make money for the next level. I love that. It's like incentive laden contracts in pro sports. It's a beautiful thing. You're always looking for t- context clues, evidence that there that there's an aspect of your coaching staff that does something extremely well. You want all facets of what your coaching staff does to be above board and to be good to great, right? You'd love that. That's not true really of too many unless you have unlimited funds and you throw numbers at the problem like Alabama or Georgia. If you have 47 analysts, you're going to stumble into greatness. Now, there's also a chance that you have 30 great coaches as well. So, yes, I get I get that. But my point would be, when you're assessing your own coaching staff, when you're self-scouting, a lot of what you do is say, okay, well, they're, they're not so strong here. Got to be a little bit better here. Could be recruiting the state. Could be any number of things, right? And then in other areas, you say, okay, well, they're really, really good here. They're very, very good here. Um, and this is something they're going to have to fall back on because this will behoove them to, to, to push forward and to project because that plays well with this crop of players or whatever it might be, right? And then there's everything in between where you're kind of undecided, especially as the pieces move around. But it is fairly clear that the messaging amongst players 
those in the transfer portal and those that have arrived here from the transfer portal and then played football for this coaching staff and then could exalt what it was that they liked about the process to others, in particular others in their same position a year removed, two years removed, they've got something right there. Because in verse and all the other kids that have said yes to us, they've talked about that process of meeting with coaches seconds after they were in the portal and the kinds of conversations they had that differed from other big-time programs that also were in uh, contention for their services, right? And a lot of it has been about the the, the straightforward, uh, I think, uh, candor from the coaches when talking about their role and what is expected of them. They're treated like men. They're treated like young men who are capable of understanding something more than fawning, something more than just what you get when you're a high school recruit and everybody has to be head over heels for you uh, in terms of praise and social media and all those other aspects that we see what, what players want on Twitter and everywhere else. But what's critical about that is this staff is consistently, no matter who the assistants are, is consistently one of the first two or three that players hear from, these players in the transfer portal. Because if we were pitched 12 and we treated him like a man, right, and we were mm-hmm. straightforward, well, he's already starting to zone out. He's starting to get that faraway, foggy look because you're hearing from people you can't believe you're hearing from, institutions you never thought you'd play for, but you're into the double digits now. We are always one of the first impressions right. out the gate. And you've heard from multiple players, especially this offseason since we're up to eight or nine, whatever it is, transfers, that when you get on campus here, they don't treat you like it's a high school recruiting pitch. Correct. They treat you very differently, like you're an adult. Maybe we should always be doing that, but or that's, that you that's another argument. <clears throat> or that you learn something through the first process, and we need not relive that. Correct. Let's Correct. take the next step. Right, but it's it's critical in winning these transfer portal battles that you're one of the first staffs that the player hears from, because then it counts for more. They hear the words more. They're yeah. listening. When you get because he had by the end of it like thirty offers, yeah. something crazy. Yeah. If you're school twenty six and you need him just as much as Florida State, good luck. Good luck. He's not going to listen to that as seriously. It's just human nature. Not that he wouldn't. He wouldn't try to. But after a while, if you have 20 people pitching you the same thing, the same product, about time 12, you're done. And I want to make it abundantly clear. I'm not telling you that Jared Verse comes in here and plays to the level of Jermaine Johnson in year one or that he's going to be anything close to it. But in him, you get a commitment and a body type uh, and, and, you know, I think – uh, a development that that moves you towards believing within a year, maybe in a second year here, you really see that explosiveness and that ability already to set the edge, uh, and 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 to be a more dynamic end than you know. Listen, than we think we have currently on the roster. Let's put it that way. Well, if Lovett declares that he's coming back, and and we'll see about that. That's the one holdout. But you have Coop and Lovett and Fuller and now Verse as your starting four. You feel good about that? It, is it as good as last year? No, no, no. 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 It was always going to be a step but, back. But but can it hold its own? And have you made serious strides in in terms of the secondary, where Jamie Robinson is back, and that's a humongous development as well. Like so, you feel good about maybe the totality of the defense, whereas that segment up front might not be as good. Maybe you can withstand it with Deloach and Bethune, right, at linebacker. Okay, now the hole is greater. The segment is worse, but the hole of the defense is a a much better group of 11. That's what we're trying to get. When I – we did this last time. We we 
weighed in on transfer portal guys. And of course, even as excited as we were about a Jermaine Johnson or a, or Care Thomas, who you know, we still said, well, you know, I'll, I'll watch them and see how they fit. And then right away, we got very very excited. I mean, the first time we ever laid eyes on them, we went, well, well that is that is doing something right there. Um, so yeah, it, it'll take a little while, but I know this. Part of that process when we did that was we said, well, if this is our recruiting class, now we add these guys to it. What would it be ranked, or where would you where would you place it amongst the top twenty five, top thirty five in the in the country? If you do that now with what they've done in the transfer portal, I think you can definitively say this feels a lot like a top ten class. Oh, uh, easily, easily, and, right? And, and and that would be, I think, a fairly stunning development for a team that went five and seven. So in the NFL, in the draft, I think it's best, and it's proven, it's proven out over a long period of time, that you take the best player on the board. If, you, if it's 50-50 and one, one player is a position of need and one isn't, then you take the position of need. But take the best player. It'll all work out in the end if you just get the best player on the board. The Bucks didn't need Vita Vea a couple of years ago. They didn't have to have Vita Vea. Yeah. And Derwin was a, was a guy that they were talking about in that position. He just signed a second contract, and he was the reason that the defense went to another level yes. in the playoffs last year. So just take the best player. In college, however, it's very different. You have to address your needs. You have to. And on signing day, we were left with a bitter taste because we had not addressed all of our needs. And it's not like Tatum Bethune completely fixes the linebacker room, but you've addressed it more than you did certainly on signing day by getting him, and the wide receiver room is overhauled when you had zero high school signees, and now you get four players yes. to inject into that room. You take a look at the class now and say, did you address your needs? Yeah, the answer is yes more than it is no now. Right, and, it, and again, uh, it doesn't absolve you for swinging and missing completely on those wide receivers that you were recruiting out of high school. That is a failure that has to be addressed. Now, you can't wallow in self-pity as you mull over what to do about said catastrophic failure of not bringing in wide receivers uh, that you were in on across the board. But you better go out and do something about it. And they did go out and do something about it. I'm not as convinced. I mean, look, Micah Pittman's upside is really good. I would agree with that. I'm in love with Johnny Wilson's size, his commitment to blocking, and what I think he can be, both as a, as a blocker but as, also as a receiver. I don't know enough about, well, I know enough to know that Deuce Spans caught five college football passes. We'll see. He's a project. He was a quarterback, but I like 6'4 that can run, so okay, we'll take a chance on athleticism. We'll see. Maybe it turns out to be much better than you realize I'm not going to bet on that, but but okay. And then the uh, West Virginia's right kid. Okay, so there you go. You get that. That dude is uh, day yeah, one. That is day one. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. So okay, you have done something about it. There you go. Feeling good. You brought in a linebacker. Need to do another. I would right. say I yep. would like that. That's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's a long Tommy. way to go yet. Probably four or five months. Yeah, so you know you got 129 catches in the uh, aforementioned right. So over the last two seasons, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, watched okay. uh, as many snaps as mm -hmm. I could find without having to go through ESPN um, on YouTube yesterday. He will win one on ones in the slot. Yeah, it's a Done. miracle. It, it, yeah. it, how about that? What? Not always, but imagine, enough. Imagine You'll win enough of them. Scheming some one on ones as we did all of last yeah. year and actually have somebody win that matchup. All right, next we address. First of all, the basketball win because there was an eye-opening thing that occurred that gives them a fighting chance, albeit they're on the outside looking in, but a fighting chance as we progress to maybe tell the ding-ding to keep on going.
Let's just just you keep on driving. Now those are strong words. It's unlikely, but there was evidence that it's a possibility. I went into the game saying zero chance. Not about winning that game, particularly against Louisville, whom we freaking own now. But beyond that, oh, if there was oh, any doubt, my God, touch your toes, Mister Mack. It's embarrassing. Roll on in here, limbered up. I hope. Every single time you see the Garnet and Gold. And then the NFL games. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Hey, guys. While we have a minute here, I want to tell you about a different kind of sponsor for this particular episode of the Jeff Cameron Show. It's a different show. It's called the Jordan Harbinger Show, which is a podcast that I think you should be listening to. Uh, I know that uh, all the time people ask you to listen to another podcast or you must listen to this podcast and you say you're going to do it and then you don't do it because you're busy. I get it. Most of us have about six different podcasts in our rotation at any one time. I think you should add the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, You can't go wrong, first of all. For example, I was just listening to one of his episodes the other day in which he's interviewing Jocko Willick. He uh, joined them to discuss uh, what it's like uh, to take extreme ownership of your life. He's a former Navy SEAL, amongst other things. Really, really fascinating. He did one last week that I listened to as well with Dwayne Wade about life after basketball or life that's bigger than basketball. So you really can't go wrong with the Jordan Harbinger show, and I would suggest you add it to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so Noel's got a big win in basketball on Saturday night. TLC Double C was not as hopping as it has been uh, over the last several years. We know why that is. Team hasn't played up to that standard. I think there's less enthusiasm surrounding, obviously, what the potential for this basketball team is. And so that's going to have an impact on attendance. It's going to have an impact on uh, the fervor. Uh, around being uh, at TLCWC on a Saturday night. But I enjoyed it. was there at the Vista. Thanks to our many sponsors and friends. It was a great time. We enjoyed it, uh, as always. Uh, but but I, I, I got a chance to sit with the family and, and watch that game. And it's always fun, Tom, when you're watching games uh, with your kids. But it's especially true when one of them is, uh, is, is starting to embrace and love the sport and has questions and watches with a critical eye and has interesting insight to provide of his own. And it was great. So one of the things as we were watching this game so closely, obviously that first half uh, was a revelation of what Caleb Mills can be. Now, we knew this because... Before he transferred to Florida State, you'd seen this his freshman season. You'd seen him be an elite player. And even if you hadn't, you'd gone and checked the numbers, and that's a real conference. And you said, oh, man, he's he's a good player. But he's been hesitant to really be a, a, a kind of a takeover guy, a guy that has the ball in his hands and looks to create offense and looks to attack the rim and really kind of becomes, if you will, the focal point of your uh, offensive possessions. And I think that's out of deference to some veteran players. Also, stylistically, it's out of deference for the way Leonard Hamilton wants to win games. See our last couple of uh, you know first-round draft picks coming off the bench. It's, it's, that's the way he is, right? It's a, it's a 10-man, 11-man rotation. It's a mentality of share. It's who's ever the hot hand, but also we're, we're going to play a certain way. And they cannot play that way this year. They're not good enough. They're not deep enough. They're not talented enough. They're not, they don't have enough guys uh, to be able to carry you offensively if they're going to play that way, in my opinion. Now, I know, again, I'll go back and double-check these numbers. Yeah, we did end up using an awful lot of guys yet again 
we got some more stops this time around, partly because Louisville couldn't, you know, hit the broadside of a barn Ooh, in the second. They half. had some openings in the second half. Yeah, they did. They just couldn't hit it. Um, but both teams really struggled there in that second half uh, to score points. It was the polar opposite of the first half. But both teams did use. I'm looking at the numbers now. Ten players. Everybody saw at least ten minutes of their, you know, uh, of court time. So goodness gracious, I, I think it's too much. The revelation I was referencing before we went to break about what's possible is that Caleb Mills, who ended up with 27 points, um, he had once scored 27 points at Houston, me alluding to him being special at uh, before he ever got here as an offensive weapon. First of all, his body control is exceptional. He can finish with both hands, his ability to get to the rim and contort his body and twist and find ways uh, to use the window. Uh, he got going you know, after the first couple of misses, then he got going. You could really sense that he was comfortable. There was nobody really on Louisville's team that was going to put a stop to that. And I think he had to have been told at some point by the staff, that's fine. If you're feeling it, let's go. Certainly the other players understood. Uh, nobody else seemed to be too uh, upset about it as they passed the ball his way, knowing that you're going to have to ride that wave. And then, you know, the other, as I get back to this, and I've talked about this before, when you watch... Cleveland play, you really realize that you have somebody special here. I get why everybody looks at that kid and says, okay, well, you know, we're probably uh, going to have a hard time keeping him here. His physical tools, his body type, his basketball IQ, all the cliches, it's true, but he, he's, he's smart. He's a smart basketball player to go along with the physical tools. I, I, I would, in a weird way, sort of scrap the rotation and understand that the vast majority of my offense is going to have to come through those two guys because it ain't going to be Anthony Polite. Malik Osborne right now is playing out of position. Raquan Evans is fairly useless. Wyatt Wilkes did hit a couple threes in the first half. Hallelujah. Uh, Naheem McLeod, all right. But you can tell these guys that aren't going to control what you do offensively. you got two guys that can. And maybe we'll see as, as Worley gets more comfortable and he started to look better late. That was nice to see his development. Obviously, he's a, a guy with a lot of tools, so you're going you're gonna to want him to work through that as this year plays out. But, you know, pretty much you've got two guys that if they want in a given night can drop 20. Yeah, I think you know, just looking at that second half, there are a couple things that happen. Number one, Louisville has some open looks that we generate or, or we fail to uh, defend early in the shot clock and late in the shot clock, both. Including a layup in which we don't get back. Right. Yeah, there's a lot there where Louisville can can rack up. What do you think? An extra 12, 14 points that half without much yeah, effort. Yeah. Well, then, but then we missed our free throws in the beginning of the second half. Yes. Couldn't make a single one. Thankfully, Malik and Anthony both hit big free big throws ones late. down the stretch to to help you know finish off the cause. But I, I look at that game and, and Chris Mack, his press conferences. I love them so much. I didn't grab any audio. For well, him he's today. damn tired of seeing us. He was asked about um, zone. And he's like, you know, Florida State has has had problems with zone. Did you think about throwing some zone at him? He goes, well, yeah. The first half we did uh, might not have looked like it, but we did play some zone. <laughs> didn't do much of anything yeah. in the way of stops. Yeah. So, you know, uh, no matter what we did in the first half, it didn't matter. And he said, thank God Caleb Mills was in foul trouble or he might have dropped 50 on the night. But but that's the interesting thing Actually, to me. Caleb Mills was not in foul trouble until late. And this He's quoting Chris Mack. Uh, this drives me nuts. I'm sorry you gave me an opening. There's... <laughs> He's sitting for six minutes while Louisville goes on a 12-2 run, and he's sitting with just two fouls into the second half. Look, man, 
Come off that nonsense. Well, but here's the thing. It, clearly, they're trying to develop other facets of the offense on the fly, in games, and it gets into danger mode because the way they fed the post in the second half. I love, okay, I get it. Now, they want, because their system has required that, they yeah. want to have a big man that gets somewhat Naheem, developed. Malik, whoever it is. But they were feeding the post, and it was clear that there was an edict at some point that we've got to get this part of our game going. I Well, Ultimate, yes. Okay, so what you end up doing in a situation like this, and I get coaches and players alike, you, you're you're probably arguing for the big picture and saying that if we do not develop a big man and get them somebody in the post that's comfortable playing there in meaningful minutes against teams that have a post presence, we're always going to lose those games. So we got to work on this, okay? Because they're looking down the line. I'm saying I kind of want to save the season and keep our NCAA streak going. So we are weighing the two things here where I'm like, that's great. Yeah, meanwhile, Caleb can most certainly check into the scorer's <laughs> yeah. table and, and at least be a part of that offense yes. and integration on the floor. And he could see for himself if it works or not. Because wouldn't you think the post would be more valuable if Caleb was on the court? Because yes. you'd get better matchups. But the, the thing about it was, even though we didn't hit any free throws, it felt like for the entirety of the first 12 minutes of the second half, that's where we did rack up fouls on Louisville. That's where they did get into foul trouble. Yes. There were a lot of tight whistles uh, in the second half, and a lot of it was on entry passes alone. Basketball officiating in general, while very difficult, is also sort of uh, no rhyme, no reason. I, I More than almost any other sport. It's just it was like nine to two, then it was nine to eight. Uh, I mean, half like, the oh time, it's just a 50 50 call, and you're kind of like, okay, that guy's feeling this today. I guess everything down low is going to be ticky tacky or not. You know, it's like from game to game, there doesn't seem to be sort of a, an understood through line of how they in each league want things called. Oh, and there's no hope for that. That's never going to no, be. No, because we've waited for it like, forever. Robot umpires in the strike zone, yeah. that's coming. In the next five years, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. it. I feel it in the air. Yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah. be a thing, and we don't have to worry about Angel Hernandez anymore behind <laughs> home plate. He can mess up a call at second, but never behind home plate. In basketball, you're always going to have that. Hey, always. did that fat-ass West get out of the baseball after this past year? He broke the record for most games umpire. Did I they get so. him out, though? I doubt it. I keep waiting for him to pass away in the offseason because he's 750 pounds and he never does anything but eat in the offseason, clearly. And this past year, he said a bunch of dumb stuff, and I thought, well, surely he's going to die. And I'm not rooting for it, but if it happens, it happens. And, yeah, he's still out there umpiring, and he's the worst. The worst. Mm, Angel Hernandez is Oh, I don't know, man. West is looking to throw you out of the game. At every times. night, every night. I feel like once, a, once a, if you're on a four uh, game, he retired. He retired. He did. Thank God. Oh, there you go, Matthew with the uh, with the assist. Good job, Matthew. Man, Eagles hate week on the program too. Matthew's got to uh, take part in it. Yeah, I guess I don't know. We got to get to the NFL, and then I've got to get. You know what? This is a to me. It's a it's a damning statement on tonight's national championship game. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like we've gone out of order so far. I know. Well, I mean, this is a central-themed show with Florida State, but we are never afraid to uh, venture off down other paths if there's nothing of any interest going on with Florida State. Not that Joe West was part of the order, but yes. Yeah. No. Well, I just thought you were talking about umpires, and I hate Joe West, and I just like, I don't, feel, I don't have to see his fat ass anymore. That'd be great. Uh, that's just an aside. But, 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 yes, it doesn't feel like we're out of order to wait on the national championship game because at the beginning of every season you can be like, well, it's Alabama versus somebody. We all just You'd nod our right. heads. Yes, and I'd be right, unfortunately. Chef Cambridge at 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV.
We almost got it. It almost happened. I had to I had to sit up in bed. Yes, I was in bed. When it was 26 to 14, I was laying in bed comfortably, and I was like, oh, well, I did take the Raiders, so I'm going to get this here win. I'm going to be happy about that. But I think, like everybody else, I kind of did want to see a tie, primarily because I didn't want Ben Roethlisberger to get into the playoffs. Um, and, and not because of any long-lasting hatred, but that team sucks. They have no business being in the playoffs. That's a terrible football team. And no business. None. And that's your Sunday primetime game this week. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Anyhow. So More uh, compelling games than that one to put on Sunday night. Oh, yes. I know. Any of them. <laughs> any and all of them? Yes. Maybe the Bucks. Uh, well, that was, that's personal for you. But but uh, it's personal. But yes, yes, because your trip to Mexico is going to interrupt your viewing habits. I got it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it is the playoffs. I'm just saying, it's brutal. That's brutal. It's brutal. But I wanted to see this tie, but I didn't really give it a second thought. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even entertain the idea that the tie could happen. Two hundred seventy-two NFL games played this year, one tie. So the percentage chance is 0.3. It's like there's nothing, okay? And then all, and then there was the scenario that the tie wouldn't even matter preceding that game going back to the start of the day. So I did not spend any time thinking about their possibility of being a tie until the Colts lost to Jacksonville. The Colts lost to Jacksonville. What are we doing, Andy? That game felt over about late in the second quarter. It was over. That wasn't a fluke. Jacksonville beat their ass. That's a bad loss, Indianapolis. That's a, we're going to have to move on from Carson Wentz kind of loss, Indianapolis. But that said. That's also the poisonous hope for the Jags fans is that they beat Buffalo and Indy at home this year. What in the world? Well, but only in one of those games did their quarterback look good, and that was yesterday. There you go, Trevor. First good game of the year. The last one. And but I would say, honestly, I mean that was that was a stunning turn of events. It wasn't flukish. You watch that game, you're like, man, the Colts are just straight getting their head kicked in. Anyhow, so that happens. Then the situation with the Steelers and the Ravens, all this stuff that has to happen. And I'm like, look at this. This tie would get both teams in. And so here we sit at 32 all. First of all, what a weird school score 32 all is. Like, it's just a strange score. If I said there might be a tie in a game, I'd say pick a score. You'd never go 32-32. You wouldn't do it. You might say 31-31, 24-all, 27-all, 49-all. You would never say 32-all. So there we were. And we didn't get it. And we didn't get it. Yeah, it's tempting to say because of the timeout. I don't think so. No, what I'm about to say is that uh, I'm off Staley. I oh, like I'd them. fire him. I'd fire him. Yep, you're done. Yeah, I'd fire him. You're done. It if you're going to be that forward thinking and you have the game on the line, you tied it with no time left on the clock, that defense is done. Yes. I know well, your offense is as well, but that defense, the, the Raiders' defense is exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for the win there. Yeah, also. But, you want to go fourth and one from your own 19-yard line, you better go for the two-point conversion to make the playoffs right here, right now, because 10 minutes is forever. Yeah. And coin flips. Yeah. Point flips are 50-50 last I checked. Go for it. Also, also, what ended up costing them the game is the thing that has cost them a lot of games this year, and that is their run defense is an embarrassment to run defenses across the annals of NFL history. It's just We've seen bad run defenses before, and then there's their run defense, which is insulting. 
it's insulting when I watch them try to stop the run. It's ridiculous. And he's a defensive-minded guy. Now, on the other side of the ball, you've got a generational talent at quarterback, and you didn't make the playoffs. Get the hell out of here. That's, yeah. that's, that's problematic. Well, you're running the Saints offense with Drew Brees' bad arm. That's what it looks like. Except for you have this real arm right. that yes. is seldom, if ever, seen. They said it last night. That, that touchdown is insane. They said it last night uh, that his – his efficiency rating on deep throws is like second best in the NFL or third best, and yet his average depth of target right. is like six worse. Yeah, no, no, they, they, annoy, they annoy me to no end. Unforgivable. Right, it's, yes. And I want to like that guy. Yeah, me too. The coach, I want to like him. Well, but, uh, Brian Flores is available. That is a weird, that is a very weird turn of events down in Miami. I have a hard time with that one too. I've been wrestling with that this morning upon reading it. I don't know how Dolphin fans feel. Fear, feel. I'm uh, not one, but I am somebody who watched a lot of Dolphins games this year, and I already told you my assessment of Tua. Um, and I, you know, again with Tua, uh, I would move on. That, that's that's where I'm at with him. Uh, there, I, I did some more reading today about why they would maybe move on uh, from Flores. If you're if you're pro Flores, and I've largely been because of how hard Miami plays, and what I think they're lacking at quarterback, he is. If you're pro him, he's the fourth coach in Dolphins history to record two winning seasons in his first three years with the team. So typically, you have two winning seasons upon taking over uh, a franchise in your first three years. I, I I'd likely keep him. I'd likely keep them, especially if they're playing really hard, and they do play really hard, even after a horrific start to the season. And they didn't have Dan Marino. I mean, historically, incredible run against some of the worst quarterbacks in football as well. But, I, I, I mean, I, it's not lost to me. But the point is, that doesn't happen unless you're playing really, really hard. What I didn't realize, and it appears that management – it appears that, that management has a real hard time with, and I could understand this, so not being in the building, I guess I'm going to have to just trust it. Uh, what happened off the field, there's no cohesion, no continuity. During his three seasons, Flores has employed four offensive coordinators, two defensive coordinators, and four offensive line coaches. That's bizarre. That, that's problematic. Something's going on. Behind the walls of the building, right, yeah. Maybe he's too controlling, and yeah, like, something's F up. You, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's crazy. I mean, you're you're there three seasons, and you have had four offensive coordinators, two defensive coordinators, and four offensive line coaches. Something's but wrong. Something's you still wrong. go over 500 with two and Fitz. You know, in, I agree. In the past two seasons, I, that's I, unbelievable. Yeah, but you're doing the scale here. At least it's not all one sided the way I viewed it. Yeah. I had it wrong. I was all Flores. I was like 90. Uh, you got to keep Flores. Why would you keep Flores? I don't see any. What, what are you doing here? Eh, you read that, you're kind of like, well, maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe, maybe he's hard to work with. With, you know, could it, be. It would appear. So is Bill. Belichick is his mentor. You know. Yeah. Well, bottom line is, but the difference is with Bill. Just you know, don't go one and seven next year, and you're going to make the playoffs <laughs> or whatever. It was one and seven, I think. Yeah, yeah. one and seven yeah. start. Tonight, I couldn't cash the Dolphins this year with my pizza money with incredible odds coming my way when I put that money down for them to make the playoffs, and they came that close. But tonight could see the realization of the plus 900 I had with the dogs. With Georgia before the year be began, I saw that value, the value with Utah in the Pac-12, 
couple of others, some have hit, some have not. Win totals, we all have those at the start of every season. I've won my fair share. I'm plus money this year, so that's all well and good. But the the plus 900 would be a nice – and, it, you know, I say this out loud and people roll their eyes. It's a little less about the money and more about the jumping on the that's, plus 900 early on. That's the thing is is those bets, those futures bets, are the best kind. I learned that last year. And not because you're going to hit them more often, because they provide you more entertainment Week to value. week, buddy. That money goes a long way. And I mean over the calendar. You're just watching that – I know I've logged four futures bets for the NHL. I already know I have. One of them is already done. It was Montreal would finish with fewer than 89 points. They're on pace for like 40 for the season. That's one of the great bets of all time I've ever made. But the other three, I check the ledger like it's going to change. I check it twice, <laughs> three times a week. I'm like, all right, look at that. Every week, I love futures bets for that reason. I, too, have Georgia tonight. Yeah. Not for as much. But a little And summer. not for the, those kinds of odds. I got him at 600. I was about Still, two, I was about two days late. But yeah. that's all it took was about two oh, days. Oh, it switched quick, yeah. When I saw went. plus 900, I was like, you know what? That is, that's incredible value. I jumped yeah. on it. And, and then when they lost to Alabama, I was like, ooh. But, hey. But Joe Bucks fan said it correct. And, and we do the scuttle bucks on the Joe Bucks fan network. But uh, there was a tweet today that said, Boy, it's awfully indicting on college football that more people are interested in the coaching carousel on Black Monday by far than they are the national championship game taking place tonight. Live football. I said this last year. You agreed. We agreed with each other. However, it was presented. The NFL, for the first time, and and I'm speaking about personal fandom, the way I feel. I get that people in the Northeast do not agree. I'm fine with that. I get that maybe even in the Midwest you would not agree. But in the South, largely, if you grew up in the South, you love college football more than you love pro football. You may absolutely have a passion for pro football. It just doesn't equal that to your passion of college football. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you go to a university and you're dedicated to it and you spent money with it and you have an emotional tie to it in a way that you can't for certain, you know, a city or a jersey, okay? And the, the sport last year was, and it might have something to do, I might be willing to admit this, it might have something to do with Florida State being down and not in the mix for a conference championship or a division championship even, right? Maybe, maybe, although I'm one of those people who doesn't mind a good rebuild. I'd prefer not to have to be, but if you are, I can watch each st- step and check the boxes and find intriguing angles along the way. I think I think it's the consistency of greatness in your formative years, high school through your mid twenties, late twenties. That the the Knowles were right. I think that's what forges the passion for you. The college football is on this higher plane. Like for yeah. me, that's why that's why I love it because I grew up with Florida State in the nineties. But if FSU was the way it is now, and I lived in Tampa the way You'd I did, I probably would be an NFL fan <laughs> over may- over a college football fan. Maybe and and it's probably yeah, it is largely the house that I grew up in. But I think a lot of the houses of which I speak in the South are that way for college football. It's not true in New York. It's not true maybe in Chicago or you know. And, and I understand that. That's fine. Each to their own. I mean, listen, if you grew up in a city that had an NBA team, you might be passionate about the NBA. If you didn't, you don't. You know, it's just the way it works. Sometimes it's true of baseball. Sometimes. Uh, But last year was the first year for me that if I was being honest with myself, I would tell you I enjoyed Sundays more than Saturdays. I enjoyed the NFL last year more than I enjoyed college football. Now, it might have something to do with the Bucs and Tom Brady. It might, but I actually enjoyed the league more. I enjoyed 
most aspects of the NFL more last year than I did college football for the first time in my life. And this year it's resoundingly true. It's not even close this year to me. Really? So it get, the, the uh, gap got wider for you wi- this year? The gap got wider this year for huh. me. Um, again, product better, not perfect, neither is. But for all that we watch on Saturdays and complain about, which is, again, I, some of it might have to do with targeting. It really might. They let them play football in the NFL. Yeah. You yeah. can't play football. So in I find that interesting because last year makes a total uh, makes a ton of sense to yeah, like the NFL the more because of COVID. You never know. You wake up on the day of the game, you're like yeah. I don't know who's playing. Yeah. I don't know who's playing. Are we even playing? Yeah, college football was weird last but year. Like, yeah. That's that's for injury reports. You're like, all right. Well, I think our secondary has a really good advantage this week if they don't have COVID. If they don't have COVID, and then I think we're playing. We were on the air for a pregame show, and, and the, the game, game was got canceled, canceled during the pregame show. No, no, all that's true. It was brutal. But, but I this get, year, I find that interesting. If we weigh the imperfections of both leagues, and they have them, several things, nothing perfect about either thing. But when you were watching college football games, and they throw people out of the game on the regular for nonsense tackles, I that has pissed me off to a point where I believe the integrity of that game has been forever altered until they get rid of that I'm so you lose starters in the second quarter of games that have huge impacts because they bothered to tackle somebody and I'm not talking about headhunting I'm talking about taking an angle trying to go low other guy ducks his head we hit helmets I'm the hell thrown out of the game can't come back it that is nonsense it is so inconsistently officiated to couple with what we're seeing now with all the stuff that has people greatly concerned about ability to even compete you are stockpiling problems that people are having a hard time getting away from, including how at the beginning of every season I can tell you, and this is not their fault. If I'm then, I revel in my frustration. But I can tell you at the start of every season, guess how Alabama's going to be playing whom in the national championship game? It's gotten worse over the right, last yeah. several years. It's like LeBron in the East Coast forever. It's like, you know, yeah, whoever like, he's on, they're going to the finals. Going to the we'll finals. see what the West looks right, like this right. year. And, and that's, that's not his starts. fault. I mean, it right. is in a good way. That, is, that gets old. There's no tr- intrigue. Here's a radical idea. How about offensive players aren't allowed to duck their head? You have to just leave leave your midsection well, I'm not line. Sit here and just take a damn hit. There you go. That's it. Well, hey. No, just get rid of the stupid targeting. Just get rid of the stupid targeting rule. It's <laughs> like, not that hard. Rules. Get rid of that. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with.